I'm Elena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. Developers are the makers of marvels today. They're the ones that helped make technology an invaluable tool. Abby Kearns, executive director of the Cloud Foundry Foundation, explained how they enable developers to be successful, leverage open source tools, and be a part of a community. We talked about examples of products that are possible because of open source, collaboration, and the availability of technology. To learn more about the topics of the show, sign up for the monthly newsletter by going to thewomenintechshow.com. Thank you for listening. I'm here at KubeCon in Austin with Abby Kearns, Executive Director of the Cloud Foundry Foundation, which is responsible for the open source project, right? Yes, I'm responsible for the open source Cloud Foundry and all of its projects. Your talk here at KubeCon is titled The Makers of Marvels, How Developers Are Rebuilding the Enterprise One Brick at a Time. Can you explain this analogy to people? So my talk here was a little bit on the makers of marvels, and I'll elaborate on what I mean by the makers of marvels, but also on the need for collaboration within open source. And for me, those two things go hand in hand. One, when I think about the makers of marvels, I think historically how we've evolved and come up with really new and interesting ideas like the Transcontinental Railroad in the United States or say the Golden Gate Bridge or even the smartphone. But in each of those instances, it wasn't the initial creation that was that really got it there. It was the engineers, the architects, the creators that made those the modern marvels that they are today. Mm -hmm. And extending that to the modern times, the smartphone, and how when the smartphone was first launched in 2008, specifically the iPhone, it wasn't until the App Store was launched a year later that we really became the invaluable tool that it is today. Yeah. And so when I talk about the makers of marvels, I think about the developers today who are the modern makers of marvels who are creating these apps that are taking technology and making it both an invaluable tool, but are also powering these enterprises that are quickly becoming software companies and leveraging technology to change their business model. Yes, exactly, because opening the store, like you said, enabled people in that they wouldn't necessarily have the resources to just launch something and reach such a big audience, right? Exactly, but even more than that is, it's changing the way we engage with these companies. For example, five years ago, I wouldn't have thought that I would do all of my banking on my mobile device. And now I do 100% of my banking on my smartphone. Yeah. I, you know, I pay bills, I transfer money, I do all of that on my phone. And it's because that app has changed the way I think about my bank and it's changed the way I engage with them. And we're seeing that happen across beyond just the bank. We're seeing that happen in both the way we either order food or check in for our flight or our mobile passports are things like ordering groceries or mm -hmm. hailing an Uber. You know, all of these things that are becoming day-to-day -day tools, we're leveraging them through these applications that are changing the way that we engage with companies, both new companies as well as old companies. And so I'm positing the developers 
are leading this charge and are really going to fundamentally change the way we engage with our businesses around us. Yeah, and I think this also involves changing the mindset of people. So I'm originally from Mexico and it's getting there, but it, it's slowly because people are still nervous about using their credit cards on phone apps or the web, but we're slowly educating people, I guess, in this future of engaging with different systems, right? Exactly, and that's the collaboration part. And, and I think about, we're here at an open source conference, a cloud native conference, and I think about the work that they do and the work the Cloud Foundry Foundation does to really bring together a diverse participation to drive the innovation. And we're seeing open source become front and center in a lot of these conversations. And so when I think about really with developers leading the charge in terms of the transformation that's going on across organizations, but then we see the open source and the power of that collaboration to enable organizations as well as a technology to evolve quickly, we start to see all of these things come together and the human element that's really unifying both the need to drive towards new application development practices, mm -hmm. moving things to the cloud, but also fundamentally changing the businesses along the way. And one thing you mentioned earlier is this thing that five years ago you wouldn't have thought of doing a lot of things on your phone. Throughout your time at Cloud Foundry and prior to that you were at Pivotal, what have been some of the recent disruptions that you've seen in the infrastructure space? Well, it's all pretty recently changed. I mean, I've been in infrastructure a long time on the enterprise side, and you know, yeah. the fact that you can, on your laptop, log in and spin up a VM on a cloud in a middle matter of seconds, when it wasn't too long ago in my memory where I would like a new server meant I had to order a server, go get it racked, put it in a data center, cable it, put an operating system on it, add the applications on it, and that process could take six weeks to months. And you know, to be able to do that, go from months to a span of seconds, is pretty phenomenal. And I think, I know that we're seeing the power of that momentum happening in organizations around the globe that are realizing that they can take an idea develop an application and put it in the hands of users in a matter of minutes now as opposed to years. And this has all happened in the last few years. And for those organizations that haven't always been using the cloud and using continuous delivery practices, it's very much a miracle the way that it is being yeah. able to spin up a VM in a matter of seconds. Yeah, and it has taken away a lot of the costs from it, right? Like you said, you don't have to buy your own servers anymore. Yeah, and it's also removed a lot of the barriers to participating in the new economy. If you want to start a new business, you don't have to buy a data center to compete anymore. You can, you can spin up some space on a public cloud and have an app up in no time, and you can hang your shingle and start your business immediately. And I think, I know that it's empowering a lot of people, and I think we've just seen, I've just, I think we've just seen the tip of what's to come in terms of real innovation and real leaps. Yeah, and you've been in the infrastructure space for several years, also in open source, and we're talking right now about giving that technology to more developers. Why do you think tech companies, even big companies, are releasing their technologies to everyone? Because one, it allows you to get more people to participate in the R&D effort. So you're really diversifying the risk, but expanding the pool of innovation opportunity. But two, I think more and more companies are realizing that 
the IP and the differentiation isn't in a lot of the common frameworks. Like for example, with Cloud Foundry, we're a platform as a service. Now sure, everyone can build their own platform, but it's not differentiating for your business. And so what's differentiating is the applications you can build on top of that. So if you think about removing the undifferentiated heavy lifting, but also diversifying the risk and getting more people to participate in the development around that, it makes it more interesting, makes it more scalable, it future-proofs it, but it also allows you to defer the cost and the risk from your organization while also focusing on what's really differentiating, mm -hmm. which are, are going to be the way your customers perceive you. I see. Okay. And I've heard you mention in the past that software development is shaped by developers in open source. Can you talk about what this means? Why is it shaped by people in the open source community? Open source is really shaping the future of all of our technology. I mean, we're at an open source conference today where there's literally thousands of people here crazily talking about cloud native. Uh, a few years ago, I think we would have all thought that was a little far-fetched. I mean, why would thousands of people want to talk about what cloud native looks like? And here we are. And that's exciting because it's saying, how do we change the way we develop applications? How do we take advantage of this cloud? And how do we leverage our business in new ways and fundamentally change our business around that? And that's the exciting part is, what's going to come next? What are the applications that are going to happen? Yeah. What are the people that you know previously did not have access to this? What are they going to bring to the table? How are they going to shape where we go? And I think one of the opportunities we have in open source is getting more people around the table. Exactly. Uh, and beyond uh, you know, just a narrow focus of people. So I talk a lot about diversity and inclusivity as part of that, because I think that's really where the innovation comes from, is having more people at the table, sharing their voices, and driving where the technology goes. Yeah, and also because by making this technology more available, people that we might not even hear about, they're solving a problem in their small community, because nobody's is going to solve it in Silicon Valley because it might be too specific or they don't even know about it, right? Exactly. There's so many problems out there. You know, I love food delivery as much as the next person in, in the <laughs> Bay Area. Yeah. You know, I'm addicted to it. But I do feel like there might be other problems out there to solve for beyond, you know, getting my groceries delivered. You yeah. know, I think there's a lot of real challenges and things that aren't on anyone's radar because it's not part of our day-to-day -day experience. And so getting more people to the table with diverse backgrounds and diverse ideas to really say, actually, hey, why don't we leverage this technology and build on top of this to change you know, a developing nation or are giving families access to new technologies or educate, there's just so many different things I think we're just not considering right now. Yeah, exactly. Or for example, Amazon, they release their services. A lot of people in other countries, they're not worried about getting books online or getting the two-day delivery. They have bigger things to worry, but then, when they make available AWS, they can build their own systems, you know, that might be more critical. And solve their own problems in the region, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. That's what I think Maybe is cool. Maybe it's not books tomorrow or toilet paper in four hours. Maybe it's uh, medicine delivery or education or enabling, you know, their children to have access because they live too far and too remote away from schools. You know, I think giving opportunity to, to more people is what I believe the technology is here for. And as I mentioned, you're executive director of the Cloud Foundry Foundation, and you said Cloud Foundry is a platform as a service, right? Yes. So I want to understand what the foundation is. Can you explain this, that portion? Well, foundations are, unless you're in open source, it seems like this weird thing that's happening out there. You're like, what do we do? What do we do all day? 
What an open source foundation. It is, we are technically a nonprofit. We're a 501c6. And that's why I'm an executive director, not a CEO. What is the equivalent? It's the equivalent. But what do we do all day? It's a great question because essentially what we're chartered with when we say that we're responsible for the open source code is I'm responsible for the IP and the trademark around that and guarding it and making sure that, you know, we tend to just making sure that people are using it correctly, managing and orchestrating the brand around that and making sure that it's secure. But then more importantly is fostering a sustainable ecosystem and community around that. So making sure that people want to participate, can participate, are participating, and, and are really driving it forward in a really open and inclusive way. And part of your work here has been to raise awareness of Cloud Foundry and increase the adoption and, like you said, make people want and can and are participating. Do you have specific strategies to drive this, to raise that awareness? Well, to raise awareness, talk about it a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just talking about it a lot and getting people excited about it. And, you know, it's like any other startup. You want people to learn what you do, know about it, find out how they can get more of it. In an open source, you want them to participate. So I spend a lot of time talking about it, telling people what we do and how they can get involved. And then on the other hand is really being intentional about where we're going. How do we make sure that we build a community that is sustainable and that everyone's voice are heard. And I think that is something I take very seriously because as we grow, we have an opportunity to have a much more collaborative effort, but also give other people an opportunity to participate. So talking about it a lot helps and also even showing case studies like to show the capabilities of it. One of the ones that I heard you talk about is Comcast and their customer service that People tend to complain about the service. Can you explain how they leverage the technology to change it? Comcast is doing exciting work. They are, are using it for both their customer portal, but also their internal portals and sales portals. And they're, they're, they're using Cloud Foundry specifically, though, as a platform to help them develop more cloud-native applications. So they're creating new and innovative applications that are changing the way they're leveraging technology. And so, you know, technology can't solve all of your problems, but if you can make your teams more efficient, build in better communication channels, and offer an opportunity to engage with your customers in a new way, that could go a long way. And so we're seeing Comcast really invest heavily in technology and changing the way they leverage it. We're seeing the same things with companies like Home Depot as well, who's also doing a lot of really innovative work with cloud native applications on Cloud Foundry but then other companies like Volkswagen that are you know, changing their entire company, or Ford. You know, we start to see so many of these companies across different industries that are, are writing new applications and changing the way they think about technology, but fundamentally changing their organization around it, and that's really exciting to see. And by changing a lot of their entire company, does this relate to the efficiency portion? of how they do things? Well, efficiency, but also when you think about cloud-native applications, what are we really talking about? We're talking about actually developing applications in new ways. And when you have small applications and you're building agile teams, what you're really saying is you're pulling together cross-functional teams that are really focused on a business outcome. And that is a change in itself in an organization because now you're bringing together previously siloed teams and, and asking them to work together. 
and building those communication channels. But that also means you're really bringing in training and enablement, and you're really investing heavily in your organization. And I think that goes a long way towards both changing how you iterate and deploy code and getting code into production faster, but it changes the way you think about your customers and your teams and the engagement around them. So just to take a step back to the Comcast, I guess what they ended up doing to improve their customer service was to build new experiences in this. Yes. Okay. So you're talking about Cloud Foundry and engaging with developers. How do you enable them to be successful? Like, do you talk to them in person or through forums? Or is there a process that you'd like to use for this? We use a lot of different things when we think about enabling our community to be successful. Because as an open source foundation, we're really only responsible to our community, our core developers, committers, contributors, as well as the community that exists around it in our ecosystem. And we spend a lot of time talking to members and end users and trying to figure out better ways to improve both how we engage with them, but making sure that everyone's voice is heard. We have two events a year, summits like this one. We have one in North America and one in Europe every year. We also have over 200 meetups around the world. So those are self-organized groups where people can go and learn and share ideas. And so we're constantly building in ways for people to engage, share ideas, and collaborate more deeply. So people can learn from the work of other organizations, right? Yes. Okay. And that's been the great thing that's been so exciting is seeing these companies like Comcast and Home Depot and many others that are willing to share their ideas, collaborate with other companies, and really share the lessons learned. And I think that's really the power of open source is really building and seeing that collaboration take hold and change the way companies talk. Before we finish, I want to talk a bit more about the diversity and inclusion portion in open source. What are some of the red flags that you've seen in open source projects? Or something that would indicate, watch out because it doesn't look like your project is being inclusive? I would say, I would answer it a different way. Okay. For me, we have a code of conduct. And for us, the code of conduct is something we take very seriously. We take it very seriously inside the foundation and the core team. We take it very seriously within our community of contributors and committers. And we also take it very seriously at our events. We have a zero tolerance policy because we want everyone that either contributes, participates, or comes to one of our events or works with us directly to feel heard and inclusive and empowered to be part of that team. And that's something that I think when we talk about diversity, you can't have diversity without inclusivity. You cannot have diversity if people don't feel like they can participate. And I feel like that is also a burden we should carry with an open source because we want everyone to feel like they can participate, contribute, and that their voice will be heard. So if somebody's new coming to your project, they might even see like how the community behaves. And like you said, if they already see the community is inclusive, then they will join and the community will grow that way, right? That's what you hope so, right? I mean, I think so, um, but that's what you want. You want new people to particularly feel heard and find an easy way to participate. Um, that's something we can always improve, though, making it easier for people to join, making it easier for people that are non-developers to participate. Exactly. Uh, you know, where can they contribute and what does that look like? And so we're constantly improving on that. 
and constantly trying to improve on how do you participate in an open source community if you've never done it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're always improving and trying to improve that experience and love to hear feedback from people so that we can fold that in. Okay. And what I've heard in this area, you know, talking to people is some of them are afraid. They're like, oh, I'm not super technical. Like, I don't want to contribute to an open source. But then other people say, well, you can start, you know, contributing to the documentation. That certainly helps. And then yeah. maybe you move to a bug fix because reading the documentation helps, I think. And then bug fixes and then features and so on. I think it's, it's good to have many eyes in the community on your work, but it's also good for individuals, particularly those that are new in technology or new to open source, is because you build credibility, but you also build confidence in doing it. So starting with docs, starting with bug fixes, and at the same time, you're also building out your own Git repo and really showcasing to the world the capabilities that you have and you're building confidence across a broader range of technologies. Mm -hmm. Just one more question. So Cloud Foundry, it's a platform as a service, and then a lot of the main topic here is Kubernetes, so I'm wondering what brings you here or, or the sort of the relation between the Kubernetes? Well, it's uh, multi-layered. Okay. <laughs> so first and foremost, Cloud Foundry Foundation is a project underneath the Linux Foundation. So we are a sister project to the Cloud Native Computing Foundation under the Linux Foundation. So first, we have that. Second, Cloud Foundry leverages Kubernetes as part of our container runtime. But we also leverage a lot of other technologies within the CNCF, like Envoy or CNI or um, open tracing or even the work done in the open container initiative. And so there's a lot of collaboration happening at all levels between CNCF and Cloud Foundry Foundation. And in fact, we launched a project in 2016 called the Open Service Broker API that really um, helped cement a lot of the efforts around services and service brokerage and with applications. Mm -hmm. And it's been really exciting to see the CNCF uh, team, particularly the service catalogs, to take that and build on that and do some really, really amazing things. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a bit more about that open service broker API? Because part of the motivation is to make it accessible to a lot of platforms, right? Yeah. So it's part of a, a different type of inclusion, right? It is a different type of inclusion. Okay. Um, the idea came because there was Cloud Foundry Service Broker API has solved in a very elegant way a way to bind a service to an application. And to break that down into a little bit of detail, a service is anything like a database or messaging or maybe it's APM tools or technologies that you use that are, are providing data to your application. Either way, your application needs something to bind to. And so Cloud Foundry has always had the service broker, the Cloud Foundry service broker and the Cloud Foundry service broker API. And it was very elegant and very simple. And we're in early conversations with some of the other members of CNCF and decided there would be a good opportunity to start building a collaboration there and really opening that up and saying, hey, you know what, wouldn't it make it easier for services to write against a single API and have that service available on any platform? And we think that makes allows everyone to win. So it really says, okay, well, let's make this accessible across any platform and open that up, and that makes it easier for services, as well as end users that are trying to figure out ways to bind a service across multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
Right. It's been an exciting journey, and I really love to watch the work that the service catalog SIG has done with that on the Kubernetes team, too. Yes. Well, Abby, thank you for taking the time to come on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Fun to be here.